Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to really thank everybody who prayed for me as well while this book was put together. It, w- it was certainly, uh, writing it was one thing. Getting it from there to here was quite another. So I appreciate all of Lanny's hard work. Abigail sh- uh, designed the cover. I think she did a beautiful job. And I know that Shalane, Shalane was a cheering team and, and kept me going. And in that last part, when I had about, I think, five chapters done, she's like, keep going, you know. And so it was, it was wonderful, and I'm really grateful for everybody's input and to help me get from there to there. It was, it, it was born out of a message when we were in Wales, and we went to see the Welsh Revival. And I was preparing to speak then uh, on the weekend in London, and the Lord began to stir in my heart uh, uh, this message from Hebrews, and it kind of stemmed out of there. And, and when we were done, the Lord just said, I want you to put that in a book. So that's what happened. So I'm grateful for, for that ability. And it isn't because when we write a book, it's not because of all the terrible things that have happened from being a pastor. It's from all the things that I, I appreciate and learn on my knees that I long to impart. Part of the way that, that the Lord has called me and the things that he puts in my heart is implementation. How to take it from here and get you not into here and then living it out. I think it's great we have people who bring in all kinds of different parts in the body of Christ. We all supply. But there's a place where we're unique in that. And everybody has a uniqueness and they add to it. And we want to raise up a people who are the every joint supplying. Every person has something to supply. So we're grateful and I'm grateful for those who supply to me. And, and I hope that this last, this series that I've been doing will be a supply, another supply of implementation. I think parables are great, and I often use parables when I'm ministering, teaching or preaching. And part of that is to, and then take that ter- parable and put it into a way that it becomes usable information in everybody's life. So that's how God just works with me. So when you're looking at it, I think it is important to go through things and, and to see where Uh, and go over it go over your notes go over the different parts of it i'm blessed to have other ministers in our congregation who bring the word who add in different places you will see today as we wrap up this series called no big deal that all the things that you've been learning from from pastor ann from pastor uh, jason and pastor neil you'll find that today they're all coming together and i hope to just put them together so that when life is a puzzle you'll have a complete picture Amen. So I'm excited this morning about what the Lord has laid on my heart. Get ready. Get your Bibles out. We're going to go. Amen. Father, I just thank you for the work that your Holy Spirit has already been doing in our midst this morning. For the stirring here. For a people called by our name. Not ashamed of it. Not ashamed. Not in any way. And God, for the boldness that's rising up as you build up this army, oh God that we will be fearless and that we will be relentless and a continuing people to your glory and praise. Amen, amen. We've been working on a verse from Corinthians. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight. Be ye therefore steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know as your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And that's where we began three Sundays ago. Two Sundays ago, this is the third. And I didn't speak very much about what labors of the Lord are. And lots of times we as believers, we so super holy eyes, grand eyes, miracle eyes, everything about God, it becomes very unreachable. Works of the Lord, what do you think about the character of God? What is the character of God like? We've heard about it. What is the character of God like? We heard this morning there's places that we will operate in unforgiveness. The Spirit of God is kind. God is kind. 
What a work of the Lord if we'd all just be kind. Be kind. Be kind one to another. The work of the Lord. Don't over-spiritualize what the work of the Lord is. Well, I'm not a pastor, so I'm not, in the, I'm not abounding in the work of the Lord, and I never can. So that scripture cuts me out. No. No, no, no. We're all believers, first and foremost. I'm a child of God as much as you're a child of God. And abounding in his work is living the life that he's called to live. That doesn't mean walking everywhere going, go, oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, fine, fine. And, and speaking a language no one can understand. We want to speak things that bless. We want to speak things that encourage and lift up. The work of the Lord is abounding in his character, living it out. And, and, in a, and not in a bondage kind of way. In the way that, you know, you take out the garbage without anybody asking. The work of the Lord is sometimes refusing to stick the gum out of your mouth on the bottom of the chair you're sitting on. <laughs> and remembering to put it in the garbage. Because God wouldn't do that. God wouldn't throw garbage out the window. The last time I was in Kenya, I was ministering and I ministered in several places. But one of the, the places was full of a, a, a lot of ministers and leaders. And, and I'd seen buses. There's buses all over Kenya that have, have signs painted on them, Jesus is Lord and all this. And I, I think if you look through Lanny's pictures, you'll see some of them. And they drive down. They never use air conditioning, so they always have their windows open. And they're driving along, and you'll hear them sometimes singing in those buses. Everything's praising the Lord, and phew, what goes their garbage out the windows? And I said, you know, do you love your country? Why are you tossing your garbage out the window? And they were like, ah, you know. The labor of the Lord is doing right. Loving the place that God gave you and looking after it. Look after what God's given you. Amen? So in our first set, we talked a lot about just being continual and being steadfast. Holding on, continuing to do what God's called you to do. Last week, I talked to you a little bit about your head, how it's not a curse on the top of your shoulders, that it needs to work in, 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 in with your spirit man, and that work together. And, to, and what denial of self really is, not a super holy thing either, but putting aside the attitudes and living for God in your attitude, which we just kind of talked about. Today, I want to... Wrap it up with something that I enjoy very much. People say, how did you get to where you are? How did you become steadfast? Somebody asked me that last night at the book launch. I said, well, I used to be all over the place. If you want to ask my husband, just don't tell any stories, Barry. And I I used to be up and down and up and down and all over the place. He can attest to it and nod, but he's not allowed to tell. Amen. (laughs) And and as, as the word of God became a living part of my life, I, I steadied out and became unmovable. And I've walked through many, many challenges. And, and I imagine that before I die, I'll face a few more. That's just life. But I'm ready. And I'm prepared. And I'm not moved. Now, for a moment or two, I may appear that way. But I'll get a grip. The word of God will come to me. It will minister to my heart. And we'll move on. Part of it is learning to pray, and part of it is learning to access the presence of God quickly. You don't want to have to be able to quote 5,000 scriptures just so that you can get through a hard moment. Right? The moment's going to come and go like this, and you're still going to be quoting those 5,000 scriptures. Or looking them up. Or phoning somebody who knows. So you've got to have them on the inside. How does it get that way? We learn to wear our armor. We learn to guard our heart. Now, we've heard it. We've, many of us have used that scripture, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. We've talked about different ways to guard your heart. But there's some scripture that I want to share with you today about the armor of God and perhaps a different way than you've ever looked at it before. Because there's a piece of armor, very specific, that takes care of your heart. Would you turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 6. I have scriptures written here 
and in my notes, but I like to have my paper Bible. There's just something wonderful about having it where I can touch it. Amen? I think it's good to touch your Bible and have it out there. I know lots of you love the electronics. I'm glad you're reading it, and that blesses me. Amen? We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 13, I'm going to start there because it's so important. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of Gwen. Gosh, that's not what it says, does it? It says the armor of God. And while there's a lot of cute little Bible stories and Sunday school lessons about armor and how it takes bullets and it can break and all these little things, we do these little cute demonstrations. This is the armor of God. The armor of God. In the songs that we sang, that mighty warrior song, we think about armor and we put it into such natural state that we forget that there's a supernatural state. Let's not take the armor of God and bring it down. Let's look up. What kind of holy armor is this? It's supernatural. Do you really think that something supernatural that's created in heaven is God-like? can take a bullet and let it go through. But we've got this idea, and it's kind of cute. All, you know, my armor's got dings in it because of these are all the areas I got hit. It's a pretty idea, but it's certainly not Bible. Certainly not. You think the blood of Jesus shows a bullet hole? All it shows is the holes in his hands where the blood flowed. Amen. Amen. And the water. Well, let's have a look. Now that we got it, that it's God's armor. Amen. Amen. And here we have in verse 14. Stand, don't freak out, don't lay down when the storm comes, don't crawl under a bush or under a table. Stand. It doesn't say choose to stand. It just says do it. Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Where does it go? That's right. It guards your heart. When we think about guarding our heart, the first thing that usually happens is we talk about not letting things in and we don't want to let the world in. But we don't want to be the guardian of our heart either. When people begin to guard their hearts by themselves, what happens is they put up all kinds of walls, all kinds of things that keep not just the devil out, they keep God out. And they construct these places. I'm never going to be hurt again. And up goes this man-made wall to protect the heart. And all it does is keep help out. But this kind of breastplate's different. It's a breastplate of what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? It is your identity. That's who and what Jesus died for. And we've heard many messages on who you are in Jesus Christ. And if you can grab a hold and say, my very identity in Jesus Christ will protect my heart. And what does it say in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What's the next word? Old things are passed away. Behold. How many things? How many things? So obviously your past has no weight or part in your present. These are the things that will protect your heart. When you get on the breastplate of his righteousness, not your own, his identity, not your own. How could anything get through that? How could it? It cannot. You are a new creature. You are a new creature. 
And when you think about not being moved or troubled by what you see, when your identity gets out there and is at work in your life, in the things that happen, hold on just a moment. This is what your identity says. I'm in Jesus Christ. This must stop here. Hmm? Storms blow, troubles happen, more earthquakes, floods, all kinds of disasters. But wait a minute, your identity, I'm in him. I am a heaven creature, not an earth creature. I'm just visiting. This is who I am. I'm righteous because he's righteous. This is going to have to change, whatever circumstance it is. And so it's the greatest stop sign you'll ever hold in your hand. Stop. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Stop. Stop. Stop, storm. Bow your knee. Stop, trouble. You can't talk to me that way. You're not allowed in my head. Hmm. Now, in the book of Revelation. There's this great peace. Revelations chapter 1 talks about Jesus. Here's how Revelation chapter 1 paints our Lord and Master, King of Kings. Verse 12 says, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I think a few of us ought to turn and hear that voice more often. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like under, unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, gird about the paps with a golden girdle. Breastplate. His hair and his head were white like wool and white as snow. His eyes as a flame of fire. His feet like unto brass as they burned in the furnace. His voice is the sound of many waters, loud Voice of many waters. This isn't the small, still voice. This is like Niagara Falls times 10. Maybe to the power 10. (laughs) That's a better way of putting it. And in his right hand, he had seven stores. Out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. A two-edged sword. Out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. Where is the mouth? In the head. Your head and your spirit man, where the Holy Spirit moves and you got born again, they come together and you've got a heart that needs guarding and protecting. When I stopped and I said, all right, we're going to say, here comes the storm. And I said, stop. What did I do? I used my mouth. There is a sword that God wants every one of us to use that will guard properly our hearts. Notice that it has two edges. Your sword has two edges. I think one deals with the head very nicely and one deals with the spirit. I think about the word and the spirit agree and they're one. We often think about it cutting things two ways. But what about the word and the spirit in agreement? Wham! What about that moment when you finally get it that you're his kingdom kid? That moment when you grip it and you know that you know that you know that is a sword swinging in your hand like never before. You have got a two-edged sword that it's time we used, one that deals with the flesh, one that deals in spirit matters, and get them in agreement. You've all heard, perhaps if you've been to a Wednesday night Bible study, you've heard about the power of agreement. The power of agreement is nothing until we come as people in agreement in ourselves first. Are you in agreement? Is the sword that's coming out of your mouth messed up on one edge and all crooked and in disagreement with the word that's trying to stir in your heart? We want to make sure both sides of that blade are swift and accurate and sharp. Amen? We want to get an agreement here, in agreement in our heart, working and beating as one, that our head is no longer off in some other island, thinking about what it's going to do when it's lunchtime, and we'll be able to rebuild our life if everything falls apart 
absolutely the answer is always yes. If you look at Hurricane Katrina, it was devastating. Many lives lost. Did they get up and rebuild? Absolutely. Did they go on? Did those who lived continue to live? Absolutely. They didn't stop. How come? Because the world is still spinning. It's still, still going. Now, some people didn't move on. They stayed in a place. There are people still traumatized. And sometimes, and, it, and there are some groups of folk that every time there's a trouble, they stay there. They stay there. They stay in the moment of trauma over and over and relive it and relive it. That's that sword with the crooked and bent edge on the one side. They're born again in their spirit man, but their head's in a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And it needs straightening out. It needs coming and refining. How do you straighten out a sword? How do you put back a cutting edge? Fire! <laughs> Fire. <laughs> or you get it on the grinding stone. And you take the edges off. We don't like that very much when it comes to our heads. We want, I think just fine. Well, if it's unproductive and out of alignment with the spirit man, it needs some help. If it's thinking more trouble than solution, it needs some on the blade. It needs some straightening out. And it's got to come out of our mouth. The truth is, stuff's coming out of our heart all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I have issued this suggestion many times before. If you ever want to know what's in abundance at your ho- in your heart, set something on record for a while. While you're just doing any normal activity, work, it has to be some not at church where you're practicing real hard to do what's right in front of everybody. But where you're just doing something and, and you forget about it, set it on record and have a normal conversation long enough so that you forget you're being recorded. And then go back and, li- and listen. You'll soon find out what's in abundance because your mouth will be speaking it. And you'll know how straight your edge is. We want to be speaking the words of God that will change things. We want to have our sword in our mouth right and coming out with strength, coming out with steadfastness, coming out when the time needs be to stay steady in a storm. Amen? Amen. Are you encouraged yet? Yes. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, it says, For as much then, 1 Peter 4, 1, it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in his flesh, Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. Arm yourself. Not your neighbor. Come on, you need to get with it when you're not with it yourself. Not are you not with it, you're not even on the program list. Arm yourself likewise. Who in the days of his flesh? It wasn't easy for Jesus to go to the cross. In, for that he, he that suffered in the flesh ceased from sin. We know that he was begging and he went to prayer. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Such obedience. He didn't come here and and act like God in the earth. We know he laid down his kingship and operated as a man on earth. And he never got to do what he wanted to do. He only did what he saw his father do. And he only said what he saw his father say. He was obedient to the cross. That didn't make it easy. Amen? And so he says, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. I'm doing what the father said and it's going to be okay. Arm yourself likewise. What was Jesus going to do? It might hurt, but I'm going through anyway. Life has full of hearts. Well, we don't stop there. We don't stop because trouble comes. 
Why go through all this, Pastor? Will it make a difference? We're here to make a difference. Otherwise, we'd be dead and in heaven. Amen? Amen. If you're done, go to heaven. If you're not and you feel like you might have a purpose, stay and find out how to do it. Amen? Get your breastplate of righteousness on so you can say, stop. Amen? Amen. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. Here's the whole reason why we do what we do. Why we swing our swords happily and pray with great intensity. Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Effective and fervent, not one or the other. Lots of people have a lot of fervency. Like a machine gun. But they're not very effective because they don't really believe what they're praying because they'll pray the same thing the next day and the next day after that and the next day after that and the next day after that. I've seen some people praying with great fervency, still praying the same thing 10 years later. Little lesson on prayer. Effective. I've seen a lot of people, man, they could drop a bomb, but they drop one once in their life and they go home. I want to see effective, fervent prayer. Amen? Be effective, know the word, get revelation on the word, and pray with fervency. Get excited, be passionate about what you're praying, believe what you're praying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Believe what you're praying. One more time. Believe what you're praying. Or keep praying until you do believe it, and then stop and thank God for it and move on. Amen? Amen? The lesson on prayer. Well, we're turning in our Bibles. Did you find 2 Corinthians chapter 1? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not as his own, by the will of God. Amen? Amen. And Timothy, our brother, under the church of God. We got it straightened out who this is to? Amen? This word is from God and is to us, the church, with all the saints. Verse 2, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 4, are you ready? Who comforts us in all our crazy stuff that goes down? Every tribulation you can imagine. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. In Matthew, it says that we are the light of the world. I thought Jesus was the light. If he's living in you, you're the light. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. That's why people are drawn to you. You may not realize you're shining, but you are. Shiny. So we learn about the comfort of God so we can comfort others. This morning we had some words come forth that will bring comfort. It's so easy to say words and let them slide by and have little or no value. But we need to remember them, hold on to them. Encourage them. Our words have power. They have power. We don't realize how often, if, and, I, and I use this all the time, words are containers. What are they containing? The contents of your heart. What's coming out of them? Some of them are kind of sour. Some of them have been sitting in there a long while in that jar, and they've gone weird. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> it smells funny. And you get around them and think, hmm, <laughs> That's a little hard in in the nose there, that word. (laughs) I hope they get better. We're comforted and we're helped so we can help others. And it's not very comforting if you come out with smelly jars. You know, people are running. When you open your mouth, chances are your jar needs a change. Just saying. Rinse it out. Antibacterial solution, come on. (laughs) Some of us need to like spray our insides. God help us. Let the blood of Jesus wash our inner man. Wash our tongues. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So that good things come out of our mouth. It's not very comforting when you're always negative. 
not very comforting at all. I remember uh, this one person always said, you're just an infernal optimist. <laughs> and they, they, it was a, you know, they meant eternal, but they were just being funny with words. Infernal, <laughs> infernal optimist. I said, I'm not an optimist. I just think it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know? But it's not very comforting if you get alongside them and whoa, you know, and, and then you start sharing war wounds. And then you start sharing sickness and disease. Yeah, I know what that's like. Man, it was so bad. And I got right down and I'm not sure. You know, come to think of it, I'm not sure I'm that much better now. Because I know this and you know it too. We start talking the devil's business. Pretty soon it's overwhelming us. And pretty soon you start to think he's got a lot of power. And you start to think, my gosh, that's right. He did do thus and so. And he didn't just do this. He did this too. Oh, my word, Lanny. He didn't just do this. He brought that. It was terrible. And I don't think I'm much better now. Right? How easy it is to get on that stream. Swimming upstream when everybody's going this way is not easy. And usually the rest of the fish start screaming. We're all going this way. You're creating a problem. You're rocking the boat. And I'm telling you, don't rock the boat. Blow it up. <laughs> Won't have to worry about the boat anymore. <laughs> That's not the boat I'm taking a ride in. Amen? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want a rowboat anyway. I want a motorboat. <laughs> Maybe a yacht. <laughs> Steamship, that sounds more like it. <laughs> <laughs> one of those ones that planes can land on <laughs> a carrier <laughs> and we'll get you all there amen <laughs> we're gonna comfort it and you're gonna get on board and you're coming with us <laughs> well there's a scripture that says even by constraint with some in jude <laughs> and with, uh, fearing the garment of the flesh dragging them out of the fire amen <laughs> praise the lord <laughs> Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We drag them with us. There's plenty of room on this carrier. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Who comforts us all in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any tr- trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Let's face it, folks. We have a hard time in ourself here. And the devil will try to get you to camp out in the fact, well, I'm not very comforted. There's all these things that are wrong. I could name them, provide you a list after church. Let's go over that long list. No, if you are here, you're doing better than most. Amen? If you got up today, many people don't even want to get to church. It's a struggle for them to get out of the sheets. But you're present. Other people didn't make that choice. They're not here. And it's not just a local problem. This is worldwide. The first time we went to Africa, people would travel for miles and walk and walk and walk to come to meetings. They'd they change their schedule to come to meetings. I remember when uh, there, they would hold week-long conventions here in the city and people would take their holidays so that they could spend the whole week learning about things that would strengthen their life. A whole week. And the meetings would start Sunday and go through the whole week on Saturday. There'd be meetings all day and at the night. And people would cut their schedules and change their lives just so that they could learn about God. It was only one week after all out of the whole year. The rest of the lives, they, they went and did all the other things and went to hockey games and all the rest of that and basketball and baseball and swimming lessons and music lessons for their children. But one week out of the year, they'd, they'd push to learn about the things that would cause them to have strength in their life. Now we have trouble getting people out all over the world. They've just got busy. They got busy. But when there's trouble, they know who to call or text. They get in trouble. But we're the ones who know and read and have in front of us the answer. 
we're the ones encouraging each other like we heard today. We encourage each other. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. What's the good of coming and being present at church? It's not about tagging. Oh, I went to church. Here, I punched my time clock. It's not about that. Aren't you glad we don't have that little system at the front door? We could arrange it. (laughs) We come and we're comforted with each other. Man, it was a tough week. But we made it. Praise Jesus. We made it. We made it. You made a good choice today. You made a good choice today. Now you you can comfort someone else. We need to give them a call, not wait for them to call us. Reach out. Comfort them. If you had things happen in your week, they had things happen in theirs. Pretty simple. And exciting. And God will help you get them through. Amen? Amen. Where you were comforted of God, what was it? What was the key that turned in the lock? What was the sword in your mouth? What came out that changed things? What word? For as the sufferings, verse 5, of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, our purpose, our drive, our whole being, our whole consolation, our life, how we think, also abounded by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your life and salvation which is effectual in enduring the same sufferings we also suffer. Paul went through things. Shipwrecked. Crazy stuff. Snake bites. Crazy people. People hating him. People rejecting him. People thinking he was God. I mean, he went through it all. Betrayal. And he counted it, but not. He says, or whether we be comforted, it's for other people. It will help them. Look at verse 7. And, and, and then I get excited. And our hope of you is steadfast. Steadfast. When we talk about swords, and I talk about swords that come out of our mouth, there's a place where our heart gets protected by the things that have broken open and have a purpose, a point, a place of contact in our life. The sword that comes out of your mouth is what you believe, what you have in your hand, what you've learned, what is is meaningful to you personally, between you and God. And it comes lots of times through preaching and teaching. You get inspired. Something happens, and all of a sudden it clicks, right? And you're listening, and you go, I get it. This is how it works in my life. That's your sword, And that's what protects your heart. That's what keeps that breastplate, that armor firmly in your life, is your mouth. And when we think about this, our hope is steadfast. Paul had the word. He, after, I mean, he grew up understanding all that. When he got born again and he realized what God had called him to do and to go to the Gentiles, he sat back 14 years learning, listening, building. And when he came out, he said, there was something that happened in him where he was unmovable. Acts 20, 24. Acts 20, 24, powerful verse. Powerful verse. And it's kind of like his conclusion. I highly recommend that you underline it. Acts 20, 24. Paul went through many, many things. His life wasn't easy. Called himself the chief of sinners. And if you think, now he said over here, our hope of you is steadfast. Now watch Acts 20, 24. You've got it in front of you. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. That's why he was unmovable. He filled himself with the things of God, the things that brought joy to his heart. 
And you can read the prior scriptures where it talks about all the afflictions, all the things the devil tried to do to take him out. I'm sure lots of you have stories. It's where the devil tried to take me out. The devil tried to take me out. The devil tried to take me out when I was still in my mom's womb. Yeah. Doreen shouldn't even be here. How many of you have a story where the devil tried to take you out? Accidents. My word, flipping off a motorcycle is no wonderful thing. Facing disease, personally and in our family. All these things that try and say, no, you'll never make it. You'll never make it. But God planted in my heart a dream. And it was his dream. And I got hope from it. And I thought, God wants to do something in this city. He wants to do something in people. How did Paul get to a place where he said, my hope of you is steadfast? God put in his heart a word. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Imagine. He was over here killing all the Christians. Now he's being sent out to bring salvation. I looked in the mirror when God put a dream in my heart. And I thought, you must be crazy. I don't have the TV look. (laughs) I don't have all the right stuff according to what I'd seen for preachers or pastors to be. I didn't have that lineup, mostly because I had in my head what the devil thought, not what God thought. God isn't looking for a perfect you. He's looking for your yes. Absolutely. An obedient you. Your yeses. I could never do anything that I do on my own. There are some things. I'm, I'm kind of clever at some things. I'm pretty good at organizing when I think about it. I'm fairly purposed individual. Fairly. <laughs> They're like, hmm. <laughs> I like order. (laughs) I do. I've learned to live with less order. (laughs) I like things a certain way. I have some talents with math. I have some talents with English. And I could rely in certain arenas on my own strength. But why would I want to? Why would anyone want to when there's supernatural availability? Why would I try to protect my own heart when God said he'd take care of mine? Sometimes I face things I never thought I'd get through. Hurts that went so deep, I didn't know there was a wound or a cure. But I looked in the word of God and cried out to the pain ended. And it ended. It ended, and that's the important thing. And when I get out of the way and I deny myself, like I talked about last week, he's able to pour in the bomb of Gilead in my life. But I have to get out of the way. I let, have to let his armor be mine. I have to be willing to see that this life is no longer natural, but supernatural. And it's true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the truth. And here's where I apply it. I get out that wonderful sword and I let it come out my mouth. I can wash windows. I can do natural things and be okay. I don't always have to be doing something holy to know I'm born again. My life is not behind the pulpit. That's part of what God has purposed in my life. But that's not who I am. When I come home and and all the other times, I'm still a child of God. All the other times. I have fun. I'm not always speaking scriptures. Although lots of what I do just kind of leaks out everywhere. And if you push, it's kind of like a sponge. I'm kind of wet. So if you push a little bit, water comes out. 
And hopefully it's good water. <laughs> it's not stale because I try to refresh daily. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to go on in that? That's where I'm going. And no, I'm not moved. And my hope of you is steadfast. I've watched many of you grab onto the word of God like never before. It's exciting. And if, you, if I could hold a mirror and say, could you remember what you were like last year? Can you see the progress in your life? My hope of you is steadfast. I'm unmoved. And even if you were wiggling, I wouldn't be moved anyway. Because my heart is protected in a divine way. I'm relying on the supernatural to keep me. I can't keep myself and neither can any of you. And the longer that you try to be the guardian of the contents of your heart, the longer you'll stay in hurt and disappointment and failure. We don't know our hearts and I thank God he hasn't showed me all of mine. He said, you know what? You may not want to see it. And I, and I said, God, sometimes bravely, just show me a little. And, and, you know, you see a little bit, and you're like, oh, thank you for loving me. <laughs> I'm steadfast in his love. I'm steadfast in his hope. I have relentless hope inside of me. I know we'll go through. I know our nation will change. I know it looks crazy right now. And I'm not worried not one little bit. Not one little bit. I am believing that when I pray, it's going to come to the place. It's going to shake the nation. But not with earthquakes. Shaking the heart. The people's hearts would be shaken so much their eyes would come open. So that they can see what's in front of them. Because you can't change till you know what you're looking at. And when you see a God that's for you. You won't worry about who speaks against you. Not one little bit. It is no big deal what the devil does. What is a big deal is what you do and what I do. And we choose one choice at a time. One decision at a time we go forward. One step at a time in the right direction. One step at a time. Yes, God, today. Yes, God, right now. Yes, God, I'm taking a step. Yes, God, I'm moving forward one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. That's all he's asking for, an obedient people, an obedient people. Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall we also be of the consolation of what's common. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, We never deny that stuff happens. Don't ever do that. We don't deny it. Stuff happens. That's right. We were pressed out of measure, above strength. See how far it went with him. If you think, oh, but he doesn't know my situation. Look at these last words. In so much that we despaired even of life. And his answer But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raised the dead. And so as we come to the conclusion of no big deal, it will never be a conclusion in your life but a beginning place, an unshakable place, a place of great strength, a place of army strength where you now become those who are steadfast, unmovable, abounding in hope. When you look at others and the Lord lays on your heart a word of solution, a word of forward, a word of the next, a word for that person, nothing in you will be moved. When you look at the circumstances and and they say, "Mm, that's not what God showed me for that person, you won't be moved, you'll be in faith. You'll be in faith. You'll be stirred like never before. You say, yes, I know. Not only are you going to make it, you're going to not just get by, you're going to stand up. You're going to stand up and make a difference. And when you've learned how to be comforted, you're going to comfort another. And you're seeing that in the others you pray for. I can't pray for everybody. 
Pastor Neil, Pastor Ann, Pastor Jason, and, and our praying team can't pray for everybody. We need everyone praying for someone. Everyone standing in the place of victory. Everyone living in the place of victory. Everyone knowing they're an overcomer. Everyone in their place at the wall. And not only will we see the walls of salvation in this great nation repaired, we'll see those gates of praise restored like never before. And we'll see this country rise up. We are not going to be the apathetic Canadians anymore. We're going to be the passionate, God-loving, God-fearing army of believers in this nation. All it takes is one to start. And starts with one yes. And I believe it. I believe it, and I'm not moved. Started with a dream and a vision. Five people and one piano player. And here we are, moving forward. Amen. Reaching nations. Reaching nations. The gospel's going out. And where you go. It occurs in my heart that we don't often ask if there are any feel called to full-time ministry. But I see a stirring coming because we're going to need everyone at their post. No deserted posts. And we need this people to stand up and believe for others. Everyone in line. Everyone hearing the call. No broken places anymore. No double hearts. Single-mindedness. Love what it says. The army that gathered by David. They said they were not of a double heart, but single focused, not on what David was doing, not about David, but about what God was doing. And they all came in line and did not break rank. I believe it. That that's a picture of what God's raising up. Amen. Amen. We will not be moved. We will abound. We will abound. We will abound. In Jesus' name. We will abound. Say, I will abound. I will abound. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W, 3B1.